0: Most importantly, welcome to dirtondirt.com. This is the Rigsby Report podcast for Monday, January 27th. And I got to thinking is the open plate there. I've had a lot of people ask me about the line at the beginning of the podcast, the first couple we've done, where I'm saying, and most importantly, welcome to dirtondirt.com. For whatever reason, I've had a ton of people stop and ask me, what is that? Where is that from? And only like true and bizarre, borderline weird maybe, dirt on dirt crazies who <laughs> would know this, that is the very first video that ever appeared on DoD back in September of 2007. We launched the website that year at the World 100. But to record that particular video... I drove to Eldora by myself on a Sunday afternoon after a Lucas Oil race at Bluegrass Speedway on a Saturday night, and I recorded a bunch of stuff in late August that was going to be pre-packaged for when the website launched a couple weeks after that for the World 100. And of course, the only person at the track that day uh, was Larry Bose. Larry Bose and myself uh, at Eldora, Larry was picking garbage up and, uh, and mowing lawns, of course. So no shock there. But anyway, I, I just had a ton of people ask me. And I'm really kind of going off the cuff here, but I've had a bunch of people ask, uh, what is that? Where's that from? And if you go back to 2007 in the video archives, you can find it there. It's the first ever video on DoD. And I'm I'm a sap. Uh, if you ever get a chance to come to my office or my house, you will see all sorts of historical stuff and childhood stuff. I love to feel sentimental. I love to feel historical. I, I literally cry all the time. My wife, Amber, says that she likes that about me. I feel like she's probably lying, but I, I cry all the time. And uh, that's, a, that's a big piece of sentimental history, me recording that video at DOD. So that, that, that just people have asked me, I thought I'd mention where that came from. Speaking of, of being sappy and crying all the time, I know this is a, a podcast predominantly about dirt late model racing, but I had to talk about this Kobe Bryant thing real quick. I don't ever remember, literally probably since Dale Earnhardt, uh, being stopped dead in my tracks by something as I have been this Kobe Bryant thing. It's no secret to anybody. I am a huge freaking sports fan. I love basketball. I love the NBA especially. Uh, everyone knows I'm a huge Duke fan, and Kobe Bryant was going to go to Duke if he went to college. So I've always had a special place in my heart for him because of that. And I just – I I can't fathom – I just cannot fathom this entire Kobe Bryant thing. As I'm sitting here watching some of it right now as I record this on a Monday, just to the, his daughter being with him, and, and he just – He'd finished his the prime of his playing career, but the prime of his life at 41 was just starting and I don't know, I just wanted to add some commentary to it that I have literally been stopped dead in my tracks and had tears in my eyes multiple times over the last couple of days because of everything that's happened with this Kobe Bryant passing in this helicopter crash. I don't know. I just I felt compelled to say something about it because it is it is stunning. It is It is shocking and I just cannot get over it and I cannot stop thinking about it. And it's something that has really bothered me these last couple of days. Um, I'll never forget where I was. I was waiting. I was, we were sitting in outside a store in in Bloomington here where I was waiting for my wife. She was in the store and I'll never forget where I was. Derek messaged me and he said, do you, did you hear about Kobe? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, he died. And I, I'll never forget that. And you know, I try to make it pertinent to late model racing in some way, with Scott, right? Like, what if, you know, it's different now because Scott's much older and Scott's, you know, out of the prime of his racing career and all those kind of things. But like, you know, how would, you know, Scott Bloomquist or Billy Moyer passed away suddenly and tragically, uh, like what happened with Kobe Bryant. um, What would our reaction be? How would we cover it? How would we manage that? How would we handle it? I I don't know. Todd and I talked about that a lot today. Like what our process would be. I, I think I'd probably just go live and just be live all day. Just talking about their life, just like SportsCenter did, right? Just like ESPN did. Um, but anyway, I, I know that there might not be a ton of basketball fans on here, but but Kobe Bryant, man, it really it rattled me this week. I am a huge sports fan, and it has really it has really rattled me this week. So thoughts with his family and everything, of course. And um, and I was a Jordan guy growing up too. I'm just south of Chicago, so I was a huge Jordan fan. Went to a bunch of Bulls games as a kid. So um, you know, I'm not going to pretend like it affected me like that, but it is. It's. It's unbelievable. I, I honestly still can't believe it. And uh, it made me think about how we'd cover our icons, Scott and Billy and those guys, if something happened to them. And it's, um, you know, I <laughs> certainly don't want to think about those two passing away, especially in a tragic fashion like Kobe did. But um, it does make me think about those things. Um, as far as this episode, uh, I am I'm excited. Uh, Chubb Frank is going to join us later. There's not a lot... To me, there are not more quintessential dirt late model guys on the planet than Chubb Frank is. Like, if I was defining what a dirt late model driver was, it wouldn't be Scott Bloomquist. It'd be Chubb Frank. From his background, to his career, to his brutal honesty on stuff, to just kind of the way he lived his life while he was racing, he was the most typical description of a dirt late model driver I could ever come up with. And I've wanted to talk to Chubb for some time, I get that chance today. He is fantastic, as always. He is as real of a dude as it gets on the planet, and you're going to hear that today. Uh, Just buckle up for that Chubb interview. I think everyone's really going to like it. And he may not be at his apex anymore. He's not winning World 100s anymore. But Chubb Frank is damn worthy of an interview that uh, that we gave him today. Uh, I talked about nostalgia or sentimentality. For as much as I love the World 100... I'm not sure there is any time or period of time during a racing year that makes me feel more warm than speed weeks does. And I don't mean temperature. Oh, it's warm down there. And I don't mean, yeah, we got to go racing 16 days in a row. It's probably too much racing. I just mean that this Georgia, Florida run that we go on now for the 13th year in a row here at DOD, something about that makes me feel 24 years old again. And it doesn't really have anything to do with the racing. It's, stopping at the same truck stop on the way south every year. It's because I've driven down there every year. It's eating at the same restaurant at Golden Isles. It's things we always do at East Bay, things we always do at Volusia, things our friends always do at Screvin. I- am I the only one like this? I, you know, I kind of want people to chime in, those that are driving to Speed Weeks and listening to this right now. This is as much about the landmarks and the people that you see only once a year down south as it is to me about the racing. I was 24 years old the first time I went on this what felt like massive expedition to this mythical thing that was called speed Weeks. And it's really stuck with me. You know, it's, it's the love's truck stop in Clarksville, Tennessee that we always stop at. It's, it's this little boat club on Jekyll Island. I'm still pissed off about the steak and shake closing there in Brunswick off the interstate. I will never get over that. Uh, it's this area where all the carnival workers are at East Bay that we drive by every day on the way to the house. It's driving through the woods and the back way to Volusia after you leave Ormond beach, and going by the Vince Carter Sanctuary, speaking of NBA players, it's doing it over and over every year for 13 years. You become attached to this. It's, it's like those places and those things are in my DNA now, as much or even more than the racetracks themselves are. And I, I mentioned this. Some of you are probably driving two Speed Weeks listening to this. Hit me up on Twitter if you feel the same way. It's just at MFR Dirt on Dirt. It's hard to believe that you have your spots and just your things at Speed Weeks that stick with you so much, completely separate of the racing. Where else in your life do you go uh, for 13 years in a row where you spend 17 or 18 days doing this one thing? You Nobody goes on vacations that long. It's almost a three-week vacation. It really is like part of me now. Like I said, it's in my DNA. It's woven into my body this Speed Weeks trip. Um... I just wanted to unload on that a little bit. Uh, just just discuss that and, and talk about how my life has been shaped in Georgia and Florida the last decade and a half almost. I got a bunch of stuff I want to hit on the first month of the year too. This is a quick Wild West shootout stuff. How about this? So Brian Shirley and Brandon Shepard both win three races in Arizona. By the way, did you, know, did you know both guys are graduates of New Berlin High School? They graduated the same high school. Shirley's a little bit older. And I can mention that. Uh, but they both they both graduated the same high school. They both go 1500 miles and win these two ten dollars bonuses. By the way, the odds of two dudes winning three races out there was 1.4%. 1. 1.4%. 1. That is how rare of an opportunity and chance it was for those guys to do it. And uh, good on the promoters of the event, CK, Chris Kearns, and those guys. The bonus money on the insurance money only covers a half of one bonus. So by, by Brandon Shepard winning that last race, uh, the promoters of that event had to pay out $15,000 out of pocket and they made good to it. So good on them. And not that they weren't going to, but I think that's awesome, right? It's, it's very cool that they did that. So uh, Shirley and Shepard, two Illinois boys from the same high school doing that out there. Best, best weather we've ever had for the event. It was an average of 71 and sunny every day. I'm buying a place out there. Phoenix is my spot, man. I... I love it. I'd really like to get a place out there for the winter, uh, this off-season that does not exist. My wife, how about that? I'm going to get my wife a house out there so she can enjoy the sunshine while I'm at the racetrack. Uh, Another thing I love about that event is it's it's unsanctioned. This is no disrespect to the Outlaws or Lucas Oil, but there's no bullshit with this race. And again, that probably came out wrong. I don't mean there is with Lucas and the Outlaws. What I mean is you don't have a tech guy constantly getting bitched at like Steve Francis or Kenny Kennedy. You don't have like series points guys rattling the cage of the series director all the time because they feel like they got screwed on something. It's just, everyone's just like happy out there. There's no points. It's it's not sanctioned. It's You see people there you don't see anywhere else. It's just, it's a cool vibe out there. Uh, speaking of that, Brian Shirley thinks that it's really going to matter. The year Mike Marler won the World of Outlaws championship, he said he credited Arizona. Like I went to Arizona and I shook it down and it mattered. Surely thinks the same thing. He thinks it's going to matter. Surely thinks that that his good start here. We know Shepherd's going to be good, but Surely thinks he's going to win. I think he might go to Speed weeks and win a race, quite honestly. So, um, last thing on the Wild West Shootout, I'm a little worried that I don't hate modifieds like I I thought I might have. Like those mod guys put on some of the best racing the entire week out there. I'm like concerned that I'm sick. Derek's not in the office right now. If he was, I'd look over there and get a fever check. I, I've I i do not know. The mods were good. I got to give him credit. Another thing, uh, another thought I have, and i got to be a little careful with this one. I want to talk about sprint car people, open wheel people. I'm going to do an entire podcast on this, so I'm not going to flush this all the way out right now. But <sighs> there's something, like sprint car people on Twitter, mainly Twitter, not Facebook. Like you've probably seen recently on Twitter, some people I've got into with some sprint car people, like right, like Justin Fiedler, uh, who's a great dude, by the way, and hosts Open Red. You need to listen to Open Red with him and Ross Weiss, Uh, Chris Rishi, Chief, as I call him, about these late model people not being engaged enough on social media. And they're really into this brand awareness thing and all that. And it seems to sort of be an explicitly sprint car way of thinking about brand awareness and being out there more. I get it. I hear what you're saying. My problem is to me, it seems like you're saying this is more about that than it is the racing. And to me, that is the Kardashian effect on the United States of America, famous for being famous rather than famous for having a mega talent. And that is something that is starting to concern me. And the reason I'm tying it to open wheel people is if one guy, Kevin Swindell, um christopher bell or even like a justin fiedler or somebody from the sprint car sphere tweets something it is immediately responded to by 75 sprint car people they're they're constantly talking to and with each other on social media like the same 75 people quickly and fast and i almost wonder if like that's what they're saying like we need more of that and i don't necessarily need that right like i uh, the one guy said, oh, Brandon Shepard needs to be more engaged. Brandon Shepard's brand is winning. Brandon Shepard does not be more engaged. He won $800,000 last year, which was arguably more than any short track racer in America. So I, I'm not sure what the exact topic of this podcast is going to be, but I'm going to do a sprint car versus late model person, guy, thing, and ladies. Um, they're just different. Like, again, if if Georgia Henneberry, we love her to death, if she tweets something, I promise you within 10 minutes, 15 sprint car people have responded to this tweet, and it is like wildfire quickly. And um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I just want to flush that out more, that they're, they worry a little bit more about brand awareness than I think we as short track racers need to worry about it. So uh, we'll get into that more. But there's a big difference between sprint car people and late model people. And believe me, I got a lot of problems with late model people. So this isn't me saying late model people are better. I can do a whole podcast dog and late model people, too but I want to talk about that explicit difference. Uh, Last few things. Is Bloomquist really going to be back for Volusia? They say he is. I mean, I know Cody well. Cody says he is. I have no reason to doubt him. Um, It just seems to me like, you know, he wasn't moving well before. um, You know, this surgery is somewhat serious. I guess he'll be back for Volusia, but I just throwing it out there is he gonna be is he gonna be back is he gonna be back in the car is he only gonna run the outlaw points nights um he's not running golden isles in east bay which is crazy right not seeing bloomquist at those places first time in a long time uh so just keep an eye on it is he gonna be back um we also need jonathan davenport to leave florida not with a lucas oil points lead or just like like a 50 point lead if he's got a massive lead this thing is over Nobody's catching him. No disrespect to Josh or McCready or any of these guys. If, 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 if JD's up like 100, 150 points, it's over. Nobody's catching him. He's going three in a row. Put it to bed, people. I got to take a drink. I'm thirsty. Sorry. I had to take a drink. It's over. Okay. It's over. So, uh, and how about East Bay? You know, people kind of forget they announced there's only five years left on this facility. So let's see. What's the vibe going to be there, right? Like this thing is shut down in five years the, the countdown clock is on uh will the vibe be any different there festive sad i'm curious to see how that goes too so uh, just some nuggets notes that i wanted to hit on before we got going i, I know these sprint car people are going to blow me up on twitter which i'm excited about I, we'll get into it me and justin might do a podcast together and ross the open red rigsby report crossover which i actually would love uh would be cool but enough of that let's get to chubb I had a hard time choosing the third guest for the Rigsby Report. We had done Jeff Purvis and Doug Bland, and I think some people thought, oh, this is only going to be older guys who are out of the sport, but that's not what it was ever intended to be. I I mean, the guy that I'm about to have on is a little bit older, make no mistake, but, but he's not out of the sport. And I've really always just wanted to interview him in a little bit of a deeper way and pick his brain on stuff. So we're going to do that now. On the Integra Shocks and Springs hotline is Bear Lake, Pennsylvania's Chubb Frank. Chubb, so I call you for this interview, and you answer the phone. By the way, you've been dodging my text messages for two days. I call you, and you answer the phone. Do you have any idea how busy I am? And then you proceed to go on like a two-minute tirade. What could you possibly be so busy doing right now? That's what I'd like to know.
1: Let me tell you something. (laughs) There's 18 cars in here right now that I'm working on. So I'm pretty busy.
0: Okay. All right. That's fair, I suppose. I was You're always up to something. Whatever I call I, you, you're listen, up to something. You
1: don't have that much to do. You Me? just talk on the phone, oh. do a little internet thing, and push a couple buns, and you're done.
0: That's what I, I feel like. That's what you actually think is going on. Is actually that so. <laughs> well.
1: You acted like I didn't have anything going on, so
2: that's why I said it.
0: Oh, fair. God damn it, Chubb. You've already sucked me in. We're, we're 30 seconds into this, and you've sucked me in. Okay, no speed weeks for you this year, right? You're not coming, right?
1: I don't have time. I'd love to go, but I don't have time. I just got too many people want their cars, and um, right now I don't even have a car of my own because I sold both, uh, the crate and the open car in the last month. And uh, I got some frames sitting here, but there's nothing put together. So uh, no, I'm not going. This
0: will be the first time in how long, when is the last time you did not go to Speed Weeks?
1: I can't remember. It's been so long. Kovac but, said uh, 20
0: plus years. We know Kovacs full of shit, but he said 20 plus years. Do you think that's, that, that's probably right no, though. He,
1: listen, he's fake news. You never know if he's telling <laughs> the truth. That's what I say. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. It could he could be the he it could be right. I it's been quite a while. How so is this I mean, I
0: really want to dive into that. Like how different is this gonna be for you for the first time in over two decades, not heading south? got it? do you feel a little weird about it or no?
1: Well, I'd like to go just because I sometimes it's nice to get out of Pennsylvania out of the <laughs> snow, but yeah. uh uh get first listen, I I really think it's going to be a bad. Uh, I, I know I this is bad, but I think it's probably going to rain a lot down there this trip, and uh, <laughs> so I might not miss anything.
0: <laughs> Why are you? What have you been studying? Meteorology reports of Florida, or what, what are nah, you
1: doing? I, keep, I keep listening to everybody else.
0: Well, that's a mistake. Is is it Boom that's told you this? You know better than to listen to him. No, Boom,
1: Boom actually did say it at one time, but uh, no, uh, Mark McQuellen told me because he was going down. He said he didn't care. He was going anyway. Oh, right. uh, he's going down to help Boom. So
0: You know, we talk about Speed Weeks. It always has such a rich history of guys from your area. You always look, I always used to joke like those PA and New York guys, you're like rabbit animals when you get to Florida because it's been cold and snowy for three months up there. You know, I look back one year at East Bay, there were 44 guys combined from New York and Pennsylvania at East Bay one year. Is it just because it's cold, or what is it about those PA New York guys that you just loved going down there for all these years?
1: You know, I don't know. I mean, I always, I mean, I have, but I I always ran, for me myself, I've always run, like, the Stars-Renegade deal. And, you know, we were down at East Bay for that deal. And then we go to Belusha. Uh, because we were already there, so we might as well go down there and run the UMP stuff. And then we started running the outlaws and you know, so that, that it just kind of, we were always running a series and they always seemed to, that's where they started in Florida. So, um, you know, that's where we ended up there. Now it was nice to get out of the cold sometimes, uh, <laughs> you know, to get out of, to get out of here, sometimes it was a little tricky getting out of here, but once you got out of here, it was okay.
0: Isn't it crazy? Now, by the way, these guys go down there and test for like two weeks prior to. Can you ever? I mean, like Brandon Shepard's going to be gone in two months. Almost. It's. 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 Is that weird to you at all? The amount of testing these guys are doing now they go down two weeks early.
1: Well, I mean, it's hard to beat guys when they do all that testing, yeah. and uh, you know we we test at the racetrack because that's all we can do. I mean, very seldom do we ever go practice or test anywhere, uh, but. You know, and it shows for them, guys. You know, Brandon, look what he did last year. Look what Mark does about every year. It's pretty hard to beat that team. So they do testing, uh, and it it does cost money, but in the long run for them, it pays off.
0: I guess at that level, you
1: kind of got to, right? Like,
0: if you're going to do this 100 times a year, you sort of got to go down there the extra week and a half. I suppose that's a small price to pay on some level.
1: Well, it is, but I don't think I I couldn't be gone that long,
0: Mary right would. It, I think Mary would not allow you to be gone that long, or you literally you could you could. She it.
1: would be there if it was going to Florida. Trust me, <laughs> she, she would definitely wouldn't miss that. She'd want to get out of here too. She she has a hard time in the winter. She likes the sunshine.
0: Yeah. Now I've listen. I've seen her at Volusia sunbathing on the back of the hauler there before the in the lawn chair sitting out there. She so yeah. She seems to enjoy it maybe a little more than you do even down there. So yeah.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: Best Speed Weeks memory. Uh, give me give me your best racing memory of Speed Weeks, your best non-racing memory of Speed Weeks.
1: Jeez, I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. Well, yeah, I that's the whole really... idea,
0: is to put you on the spot. That's that's everything.
1: Is it? Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there I, the Speed Week stuff, I don't know. I guess the best one was when we won that race at uh, um, East Bay. Yeah. It was a stars race, and it was a deal where we all pitted for tires and, uh, had to go to the tail, drove back up through there and one actually passed Burkoff for, for the lead. So, uh, everybody's on the wrong tires. One of them deals, and, you know, <laughs> you don't get to, you don't usually, usually once you pit, you're usually not going to drive back up through the field. Now, nowadays, especially, but back then even, you know what I mean? It was, tar- it was tough. Uh, probably, you know, the worst deal was, uh, when we got arrested down there. It was <laughs> kind of a stupid-ass thing, but that's just the way it goes. Per,
0: it's, uh, perfect segue life. Perfect segue to my next question is the whole point of this podcast is to be open and honest, and that's why I have you on. Because uh, I was saying, who's the most honest guy in dirt track racing, and Kovac and I are like Chubb Frank by a mile. So I know I can ask you this, and you're not really going to give a shit. Speed Weeks 2012, Chubb Frank, or, or as the name on the mugshot said, Jerry Frank, excuse me. It's arrested out take me through it i have here in my notes arrested was it outside a bar or where was it can you just tell me what happened so i don't get the story wrong and just take me through the arrest 8 years ago please
1: i was sleeping in the motorhome okay uh it's it's against the law to do that down there just so you know <laughs> i'm serious it's a, you cannot you can't sleep in a you can't have your motorhome there where we had it which it wasn't really no big deal, but that isn't why I got really got arrested. But they, you know, the we'd, we'd been out uh, drinking with uh, <laughs> Orangeberry and the crew and all that stuff. And we took the cab back to the thing and we were sleeping and they came and they wanted me to move the truck. And I said, I can't. I said, I can't move this. They said, well, you have to move it. And I said, I can't. And I said, I've been drinking. And I said, I'm not moving. And he said, We don't care. You need to move it. And I said, uh, I'm not that stupid. I'm not moving it for because as soon as I move it, You're I'm gonna, gonna get arrested. I right? was right, right. gonna get arrested either way. <laughs> right. I was in a catch twenty two. So <laughs> I was in a catch twenty two and they were arresting me anyway. So uh and I of course I had my pers- I had prescription medicine in my yeah. uh pocket, but I you have to have it in the Well, I guess it's in any state. I didn't know that. You have to have it in, you have to have it in the prescription bottle. And the guy was just being, he was kind of being an ass about it. You know what I mean? It was one of them deals where it didn't make any difference. He was going to get you for whatever he could get you on. They threw everything out when it was all said and done. But the point was, you know, that's what happened. It was, you know, you got arrested for, uh, having, Prescription medicine, not in your prescription bottle, basically.
0: Do you wish that you could take the mugshot over because you didn't? I don't feel like it was your best look. Like you, maybe you know you could have looked at the camera a little more, or because you were sort of looking Where, off. Of, do you? Are you happy with the mugshot?
1: It was like five o'clock in the morning or four <laughs> o'clock in the morning, been out drinking. But actually, yeah, that would have been a little better off. They. Uh, <laughs> It kind of caught me off guard because I didn't even know they were taking it. I can't remember what the deal was some girl taking it. And it wasn't even <laughs> like we weren't, it didn't even act like that's what we were doing. It was weird because the way they did it. And that's, and so I was a little caught off guard by it.
0: Well, listen, yes, I, ho- I, I hope it's
1: been a little bit nicer when, you know, I, I would have <laughs> smiled and give them a goddamn smile, you know,
0: I'm so, hoping that, you know, maybe you'll get arrested again and you could do it. You could do it again. So now,
1: I plan on never doing that or no getting arrested because. I learned big time that because they put me in general population, and there was no chance in hell that <laughs> I was ever going to go do that again.
0: How was Gen Pop in Daytona, by the way? What was that like?
1: Uh, it in the jail, no, yeah. It wasn't very much fun. No, it wasn't <laughs> no fun. First thing they do is they put you in a in a little holding cell with about six people when it's a four people cell, yeah. and uh, you know, so that's a little crowded. And then they move you on to the to the uh, general population and they're not very, they're not really very nice to you, but I understand it. You're, you know you're a criminal, I guess, in their <laughs> eyes, everything you do. Uh, you know, and the only one that understood it was the the one that took me there. Cause he, he says, why, why are you, why are you get arrested? And I told him what happened. He goes, Ooh, he says, I don't know if that's a, if you should have got arrested. I said, well, no shit, but you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> the guy was, and the guy's last name was Frank, too. So oh, really, no. Maybe, maybe he knew me. I don't know.
0: <laughs> long lost family member. He was pissed about something. <laughs> he might have so. been.
1: Yeah, he might have been mad about something. But now, it, it that's just the way it is down there. It, it, it wasn't Daytona Beach. See, that's the problem. It's only that, uh, that one section of the beach okay. is, is a mile long, and that's what they do down there. The lawyer told me, he says, they are bad down there. He says, so. I said, no problem. I'll never go down there again.
0: <laughs> yeah, you. This and you probably haven't been since, right? Yeah.
1: No, no. I like now that. when people somebody's asked me and I go, no, I don't think so. I'll just stay here.
0: Hard pass. Yeah, I like that. I'm having yeah. you on now because I just had Doug Bland on before you as my last guest on the podcast, and you and I chatted quickly before before the podcast started. We had some, you know kind of shared some thoughts about Doug. Um, as you listened to his interview and you heard everything he said about the Dirty Dozen days and the Hoosier Goodyear War, what did you? Because you told me you listened to it. What did you take away from what Doug Bland had to say? Agree, disagree, somewhere in the middle? What were your thoughts on it?
2: Well,
1: I, he. I'm not saying he didn't have some good ideas, but he he didn't tell exactly the whole truth because uh, I was in a couple of those meetings, but. And he, in, in my eyes, he was going to definitely hurt, uh, you know, what I was doing because I was racing, you know, I was, I, I'm racing, I don't have a car owner, everything I ever comes out of my pocket. So, you know, every, if he wanted me to go ra- I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today if we, they would have went and with his deal, uh, because I wouldn't have had, unless I would have got, got a sponsor or something, because you know, who's your help all the people that help you. Uh, was probably gonna, was gonna lose some of that stuff. Um, and it was important at that time, uh, because, you know, at the beginning of the year, when we have to go get tires and do all that stuff, if we don't have to put all our money out right off the bat, uh, you know, you can work, you can spend it or make it late, you know, as you go and, uh, pay your bills. And that that's the way I've always been. Uh I've just never had anybody just throw money so you could go and spend whatever you want and buy whatever you want. And you know, I had to be careful how I spent my money and so for for what he wanted to do, I thought was probably gonna hurt hurt me, so I probably wasn't really rooting for him at that time, if you see what I'm
0: saying. No, I do. Do you do you what's the craziest shit you remember about that time? Like, you know, I ask I've had so many people reach out to meet Chubb and be like, Oh man, here's a story he didn't tell. It got really dirty or nasty. How gross was it during that off season when people um, had,
1: it well, it it wasn't I mean I never you know, he when, here's the deal. When he that deal where we were in at um Dixie. the Dixie shootout, he says in the in the motorhome. He he I can't remember exactly what he said uh on the on your deal, but he he'd already had signed with uh, with Goodyear and was telling us that he hadn't, you see what I'm saying? Uh so there was a little bit he, he was, I don't remember exactly the whole deal because you're talking, I don't know, it was over S- 16 year was
0: years it? ago, 16.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, a long time ago. I'm way old. You know <laughs> what happens when you get old, your memory just loses a little bit. But I do remember some of that stuff. And, uh, and I'm like I said, I have nothing, I've seen him, I've seen him not too long ago, a few years ago. He, uh, he stopped, he was at Belushi or something, stopped and talked to me. But, um, and I, I understand what he was doing. I just, uh, I had to, out for myself at that point because i uh i didn't know what was going to happen you know with my racing program back 16 years ago you
0: have this nickname we can listen i need to doug bland part two right like i need to have him back on to answer all the questions that i've gotten since he's been on so we'll, we'll we will do a part right. two with him and we can get into more right. of that later you know, you mentioned your money situation and stuff. You, you get this nickname, Shoestring Traveler. That's, the, that's a kid from Illinois. That's the first way I knew you. This guy out east called the Shoestring Traveler. So obviously that means you're on a budget, right? How does a guy go from yeah. having the nickname Shoestring Traveler to really an impressive career where you're traveling national, on a national tour for two full decades? Have you ever thought about that? That's pretty damn impressive. I went from a guy with absolutely no budget to I'm out here on the road doing this full-time for 20-plus years. How did that
1: happen? Well... I I tell people that, you know, there was a time that you could make some good money racing and we did okay. I'm not complaining. Um, you know, there was times, uh, my wife would say like, I'll give you a good example. Uh, I think it was 2002. We were going, she says, why are we going to Atlanta to the Dixie shootout? I said, cause that's where I want to go. She says, we don't have any money. How are we going to get through the winter? I said, I don't, it doesn't matter. She said, well, you're we driving right by this Challenger for $15,000. I said, well, I don't care. I'm going to, we're going to Dixie Shootout. So, and kind of give her time a little bit, but we went down there, won 55000 and on the way home, I got to I got to be able to rib her all the way home, so <laughs> it was well worth it. But that, that would happen down back, and you could do stuff like that and get away with it. Don't ask me how come and why, uh, but there was times that, you, you know, um, I was building a house here and we went to, uh, we had a brand new car. And she said, why are we going to, we, Boom and I went to, to uh, Savannah and to uh, Fayetteville with a brand new car, never ran it. And it was, uh, there were UDT races. And I said, well, I want to break it in. It's in the early and you can't, can't get any seat time. You know what I mean? So we went down there and we won both those races and we were building a house at the time, uh, up here. And, you know, it, so it just, it all clicked. Don't ask me why. I don't know. We just, (laughs) I guess sometimes you have, when you have that drive, when you know, you need the money. Yeah. Like I, I went to challenger and I needed to pay for the basement. The basement was 12,000 and the race paid 13. We won the race. So, (laughs) uh, you know, (laughs) I had to pay. You know, sometimes just if you have that much drive you got to, you know, and you know that you got to pay the bill. Sometimes it just works out. You know, I've had
0: this conversation Uh, with Mike Marler, though, and I think you bring up a good point. I think some of the kids that are in racing now, and I'm not going to name any names, but there are kids in racing whose parents are incredibly wealthy. They don't know what it's like to actually race to live. And Mike Marler and Jimmy Owens and I have talked about that. Like they were literally, Jimmy was racing to live his modified at one point. And that's kind of what you're saying. Somebody had to pay for that basement. Some of these kids nowadays do not understand that, do they?
1: No, they don't, and that's and that the other problem with that is when that when they get that way is they don't care if they tear up your equipment, um, their equipment, and yours happens to be in the way, uh, and that's what happens nowadays. You know, the last I don't want to say it's been quite a while, probably since 2010 or so i've seen that a lot more where guys just they don't they just start running over. i don't want to say run over you yeah but they don't they don't race you they they just uh you know if they think they got the spot just drive across your nose and do all that stuff back in the day we didn't i mean we raced hard and there was rubbing and bumping and stuff like that but not just driving uh you know across somebody's nose and that spot we just didn't that's not how we raced you we did race hard
0: yeah you said 2010 so that's again you're segueing perfectly to all my questions here at what point do you think this thing shifted and when i say this thing i mean during late mile racing as a whole when did it shift and become harder for you to keep up financially technology and do you do you remember a time yeah yes i can
2: tell you exactly when is it
0: tell
1: you exactly it was uh 2008 You know, nine, eight or nine, when everybody, I'll tell you what, in this, I'll tell you what happened. uh, And I told him it was full of shit, and that was Mike Farr. uh, Back in, uh, I think, Dixie, maybe back when we were at Dixie or something, we won Dixie. And I'll tell you why we won the race. We won the race because I, I told him, I said, hey, I can't get in the corner. I'm chattering the tires. You know the right front. He said, "Well, let's just put this gas shock on there." Which at that time they weren't very good.
0: Right. And
1: I said, "Oh my God!" I said, "I can in the corner like two car lengths farther now." Uh, he says, "Well, just so you know, by 2006, everybody in the country will be on gas shocks." And I said, "Oh, you're full of it." Yeah. <laughs> well, he wasn't too far off. Yeah. And if anything, that's changed the whole complex of racing is get is the racing shocks is uh it's changed everything. I mean that that was the biggest thing uh that it you know changed. It it made it made everybody it, I don't want to say made everybody, it made a lot of guys into that go fast that maybe weren't gonna go fast if they had to uh just wheel their car. Like if you just showed up at the racetrack and handed uh everybody four oil shocks You'd find out who can drive a race car, uh, and who can't.
0: So you think it's more people talk wide bore motors, all this stuff. You really think the shocks in the mid two thousands are what kind of made this it shifted? Yeah, the things. wide bore
1: made it more. The wide bore made it more expensive, but that really no. The shocks is what I think made it made the big difference. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and it, made it made it
1: it, it and it just. It just was one thing that ad kept adding up, you know what I'm saying, yeah. that made everything more expensive. And it made it harder to make any money at it. From after 2008, it was a lot harder to make money for me because you, it, wasn't all, it wasn't about the driver. It was more about being able to keep up with the technology and, and the, doing the testing and, and chassis setups and all that stuff um, You know, after, after 2010, I would say.
0: You really can't tell the story of your career without talking about your shop burning to the ground in 2004. And not only does that happen, but six months later, I think I have this right, Joe, because your shop burns to the ground and six months later, you win the World 100, right? That's the, the time frame on that, basically. Isn't that correct? Same year, 04. Yes. Yeah. 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 What well, do you remember and I remember seeing photos of just the devastation of it. What were you thinking and feeling when you pulled up to the shop or you came out of your house or whatever it was and you see this thing burning to the ground? Take me back to that moment.
2: I was in it.
0: Oh Jesus. <laughs> oh god.
1: <laughs> and actually the reason it I we did we didn't lose every possible thing and the guy sitting here right now is Doug active. If he happened to show up the day that the we were in the shop working and he'd come running in. And he says, Hey, you're the woodshed's on fire. Or the back of the shop's on fire. And, uh, we had, uh, there was two cars in there, one on jack stands and the car that we had at the PRI show was brand new.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: and I couldn't get that one out because it was over by the fire and the other car was on jack stands.
2: Wow. So they,
1: they. They got the tires and wheels on that car and we actually got it outside. and the other car, I actually pulled back to the doorway, but you couldn't get it. It hit the, you know, you never, when they, when you roll a car back, it hits the, um, hits the opening. Sure. It never hits the, you never get, you never get it out the door, whatever yeah. you want to say. So anyway, we're out there and it, I mean, it's thing is smoke burning. It's going everywhere. You can't see nothing. I said, hey, we're going to get that car out of there. And they said, no, you can't go back in there. I said, no, it's six inches inside that door. Just hold your breath and bounce it to the right and jerk it out of there. And we got that car out of there. The nose was dripping off the, you know, it was melting. And that's the car we ran that weekend, actually, uh, for the outlaw race down at Bulls Gap. Wow. Uh,
0: So, like, literally the plastic on the the nose piece, it was so hot in there, the nose piece was melting on the front of the car.
1: Yeah, the fire, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So and and we got like there was one motor we got out that was on a cherry picker that we rolled out into the gravel uh as far as we could get it and uh but that was it the like two cars um you know we got it we got that stuff up but there was there was uh like ten drums of fuel in there and there was oh, like some hundred and some tires so all that stuff- and then all the equipment a couple motors. And, and uh, how but, long, what, what know,
0: we, how big of a pain in the ass was insurance on that? Did you get quickly? I mean, how long did actually, that take?
1: I was. I tell everybody. I said I was complaining about my premiums two weeks before the fire, and the next day after the fire, the guy showed up and wrote me a starter check. They call it wow. for twenty five thousand, and uh, he said, "I want we He said, "Here's what you need to do." Told me what to do. Get all the inventory. Do all the stuff and uh they were actually good they they and, paid everything they that was they were supposed to pay you know what i mean yeah what, whatever i had insured basically they paid they only pay 80 percent, but i mean they paid you know they didn't now they canceled me like two weeks later or <laughs> a month later which i said that that was the dumbest thing i've ever heard uh they, the underwriter didn't want to write it, but they ended up coming back and doing it like two years later and writing it. So, and they, and my insurance agent asked me, you want to do that? I said, yeah. I said, I I want somebody that I know I'm not going to have to deal with if I do have a fire. Right. Right.
0: Um, Right. You know,
1: it was just one of them. It was a bad deal. And when I built this new garage and Lester buildings came on board, we made, we tried to make sure that we weren't going to have a fire. You know, we we went all out just just in trying to make sure we weren't gonna have that problem again. Yeah, ever. T-
0: Took all the precautions you could take and stuff like that. So Yeah. And, yeah. and then again, six months later you win the World One Hundred. Were you when you won the World One Hundred in dominating fashion in '4? were you kinda thinking like, Holy shit, six months ago my whole life almost burnt down and here we are in victory lane in the biggest race I've ever won? You had to be that's kinda wild,
2: right? Well, that and you know, the the worst
1: that, that when that shop burned down, that was the worst day of my life. Yeah, But it was the best thing that ever happened. And, and not that, you know, you don't think of that way until years down the road, you go, well, that was the best thing that ever happened. Cause not only did we get hooked up with Lester buildings, thanks to Mike Farr and the people he knew um, was we won the world 100, which that cemented our deal because we actually put lester buildings on the car for that race and uh that actually kind of cemented the deal with them for 3 years so that was our only major sponsor we've ever had was lester buildings but um it you wouldn't have never no you didn't expect it to happen i mean it, listen you know as well as i do it's not easy to win at Eldora. Yeah, uh, the, the world 100 or any race actually, but, um, and everything has to go your way. And it did, everything went our way. We were, we, back then you couldn't run your, the cushion was so big at that time. You couldn't really run as hard as you wanted to. And if you ask Jimmy Owens, he'll tell you, cause he tried to run the cushion as hard as he could. And he ended up, uh, blowing a right rear tire, (laughs) getting, getting the straps into the tire and costing him the race. That was, would have been his first world One Hundred. Yeah. He came back and, and proved it how to do it the right way. You know what I mean? Later on. But that was back when he first started, uh, running late miles from the modified. He's in that
0: Harrod farms car. Was it the Harrod farms car? He was in that year. I think if I remember right. Oh four. I think so. I think so. I can't remember.
1: You know, and and Moyer was leading that race too. And who's the best at, at Eldora, you know, at that time. And he run over something and got a hole in oil So he was, you know, that put him out. So I'm it actually, was all, everything had to go your way.
0: I'm actually looking 2004 uh, lap leaders. Moyer one through 21 and 34 through 47. Lanigan led 10 laps. Boggs. Lanigan,
1: le- Lanigan had probably one of the best cars. Boggs run him down. Yeah. And they were lapping. I think they were lapping. I don't know if it was Bloomquist or somebody. He was in there. Yeah. And Daryl had to check up and Boggs killed him uh they both took them both out and then jimmy owens uh, led laps like a, 48
0: through 62 and chubb frank 63 through 100 in the 2004 world 100 215 cars there by yeah, the way yeah but who
1: was but yeah but the 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 best thing was the guy that was leading on the 60 well it was jimmy owens was leading but when they dropped the green i wasn't leading the race that's right It was Don O'Neill. Don O'Neill never let it lap. Never let it lap. Even though he was paced around there leading. He was leading, he just was pacing. Yeah, yeah,
0: he never officially was scored a lap leader. Right, right, right. Okay, I got last couple things here because you've been fantastic so far, as I knew you would be. I'm going to rattle off some names and some things, and I want your opinions on them. All right, so I'm just going to give you the name, and then I want your opinion. You ready? Okay. Number one, Scott Bloomquist. Uh,
1: Definitely, probably. The best is driving and, you know, driver out there as far as getting the most out of it, figuring out what he needs to make the car go as fast as you can go around a racetrack. Uh, but you know as well as I do, Scott's got that. He's always about uh, mystique, so he can, uh, <laughs> I think it's for selling T-shirts for more than anything. Do you think?
0: Do you think? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Never. Second name, uh, Boom Briggs, your cousin.
1: Oh my God. He they call him the mayor because he's talking to everybody. Uh he needs to he needs to pay attention to racing more than he does uh uh having conversations with everybody.
0: That's a that's a great description of Boom actually. Um n- number three, Kevin Kovac.
1: Oh fake news, Kevin. <laughs> now he actually Kevin is uh I, I like Kevin because he uh He's probably one of the most honest ones out there, and he's easy to get going. Um, oh,
0: yes, he is. You know,
1: he's, he's easy to get, get him fired up. I ha- always loved uh, getting him fired up, and that's why I probably started with the fake news thing, because I just <laughs> always get him
0: fired up. Uh, number three, the pass in the grass, where you very illegally stole a race from Billy Drake, the pride of Central Illinois. How do you feel about that?
1: <laughs> you, you said he illegally.
0: I think, yeah, I I said illegally stole a race from the pride of Bloomington, Illinois, Billy Drake, your thoughts on that show.
1: Okay. Let me explain that to you. First of all, it's not illegal. Uh, There's never been a rule until after that, that you couldn't pass in the infield. Uh, It's a gentleman's agreement. And the only reason I passed him in the infield is because he passed me in the infield on the (laughs) corner before that. Uh, I just made it more obvious
0: do you think you made it more obvious you weren't in the infield you were like in the you, i don't you i don't even know what to describe how where you were i mean you that wasn't even the well. infield
1: listen, there was five lap cars in there and there was no place to pass, so I had to go somewhere. I just made sure I cleared them all and I almost went out the pit entrance at Portsmouth. You did. I was going in there. I don't think I lifted until I got back on the racetrack. It was
0: literally one of the most comical things in the history of dirt late model racing slash most awesome. So I still I'm only teasing you. It was (laughs) what a memory. So uh, the Canadian Border Patrol. Your thoughts on the Canadian Border Patrol.
1: Oh (laughs) man, I just, it's it was never. It's never any fun going across the border, either way, um, it, it, until you can kind of figure out which ones to to, to go across without having to, to belittle you, because they like to belittle you. How much you beer? Across.
0: How much beer do you think they've taken from you in your your racing career?
1: They only took. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They might have taken eight or ten cases, but see that the reason is they. I didn't know what the law was, and. That was we were going to be on the road for like thirty days, so um, mm-hmm. and that was the first trip. Now I made Chrisman replace it. He had to buy it, <laughs> go to Walmart, and buy me beer uh, when we got back to uh, Nebraska.
0: Okay, last couple of things here. Thank you, by the way, for those. I knew you'd have some good answers to those. I always thought you'd be a good analyst. You'd be a good like I could get you in the booth, and you'd be good. You're not going to speed weeks, so break it down for me a little bit. Just just give me a couple answers here as you assess speed weeks who's hot, who's not going to be hot, who's the guy to beat, et cetera, et cetera. Just put your, put your journalist hat on and talk to me about Speed Weeks.
1: Well, you know who's going to be hot. I mean, you know that uh, Shepard's going to be definitely good at he, – well, he's going to be good at all of them, but um, he, he's definitely going to be tough. And then all the Lucas guys, you know, Davenport, all them guys, the, the thing like going to like, say, East Bay is you never know because things can happen there yeah. um, in a hurry uh so you you, there's no guarantee there now volusia normally you can kind of tell who's going to run good there you know if owens is there he runs good i mean definitely uh um the only one i haven't seen run as good as the i always figured he should is josh hasn't been as good um but you never know this year uh being one team maybe they'll concentrate a little harder on uh on that but
0: you got any surprises you no know
1: shepherd you know shepherd's gonna be good not bloomquist you never know he he likes to likes to win the first one or the last one one of them and after that he just kind of he tests he does a lot of testing
0: <laughs> so does Has he ever mentioned that before i've never really heard him say that before
1: <laughs> you've never heard him say that okay just testing when he's running like 15th he's
0: testing of course he's testing of course <laughs> Uh, last, last question. Oh, actually real quick surprises. Anybody going to surprise us down there? Anybody coming out of the wood, a Logan Roberson or anybody, a young kid always seems to have a good speed weeks. Maybe Brian Shirley. He's been good in Arizona.
1: Yeah. Brian has been good. Uh, of course he's got a uh, new crew chief. Yep. So, you know, we'll see how that works out. You know, they worked out good out there. Um, he'll be good down there, I think, but it, you know, it just, everything has to go your way. um, you know, I think Landington's actually gonna be good. I down think so there. too. Yeah. I think, I so. think he's gonna be real good down there. I don't know if Boom Boom might qualify good. We'll just have to see if he <laughs> forgets how to you know, he you gotta stay in the seat during the whole race.
0: Last question is how much longer are you gonna do this? Like when is Chubb's final race? Have you thought about it? When is retirement coming
1: for you? I don't know. I I have no problem race. I mean, i I'd, I'd race I'd feel great about it, but I just don't have any help, so I don't yeah. uh, I don't race as much as I'd like. I'd rather race, but uh, sometimes you got to work uh, to make a living, so that's what I do. Uh, work on everybody else's cars. Uh, we did take a couple weeks off last summer because I had to work on customer cars that I probably would have been racing or yeah. wanted to race, but it just didn't work out. Um, if I had if I was driving for somebody else, they would be different because then you could just show up, but. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, it's that doesn't happen.
0: So not on the horizon. This thing's in. Mary has okay. this. You're going for a while.
1: Oh, she? no, she's not. She could have retired 10 years ago. But I said, well, what are you going to do? What would you do?
0: <laughs> Just hang out with her husband. So, maybe spend some quality time with you. You could go on vacations together, Chubb.
1: Listen, I tried to tell her. She said, listen, you're going to go off the road. You'll have more time. And I go, you don't understand. It's going to get worse <laughs> when I'm off the road. Now I'm busier than I ever was, so... (laughs) Because uh, everybody knows I'm home. Everybody do, knows I'm home.
0: You very famously give out your Dumbass of the Week award. Do you have a preview? Who's the who, early frontrunner for Dumbass of the Year? Do you have one yet or it's too early to tell?
1: <laughs> for the year, just started. I know, no, but I it's, it's early. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's too early, but if you call after Speed Weeks, I might be able to give you a couple. <laughs> Maybe I'll
0: have you on weekly and you can just name the Dumbass of the Week every week. We'll do a sticker presentation like you do and everything else. So.
1: Yeah, I, and listen, I've got a few of my own, so I, I have no problem giving them to myself. So I don't want anybody to think that I just give them to everybody else.
0: Chubb, you are as you are. This is exactly why I started this podcast, is to have interviews like this that I just had with you. I appreciate it more than you know. I'm um, gonna miss you at Speedweeks this year, man. I always you're always eating ice cream with me at least one day a week at Volusia there, so it'll be different. Not I always try it. to
1: get you to buy, but you won't buy.
0: Well, yeah, I can't that's payola. You can't that'd be no good. You can't have the journalist buying the ice cream. That's not how that works. I mean, come on.
1: Well, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If I bought it, then you would then everybody would say that was <laughs> that's wrong because then you you're just trying to get on on dirt on dirt.
0: You know, I loved Purvis and Bland, but I did not smile and laugh as much with those two on the air. You have made me laugh for a half hour straight, so this has been really good. So I appreciate it, buddy. Uh, good luck with everything this year, and uh, we'll get you on a few more times before the year's over, all right?
1: Okay, I appreciate it.
0: All right, tell Mary I said hey, okay? I will. See you, buddy. Friend zone now, and I'm getting a little tired of everybody telling me how great this guy is. Listen, I, I know that he's great. I, I made the decision to hire him, and I'm pretty sure that Jonathan Davenport's wife, Rachel, has single-handedly facilitated a 25% raise for Kevin Kovac during his five or six years with the company now. Double K, Kevin Kovac, on the Integra Shocks and Springs hotline right now. Kovac, why do people like you so much? Literally, you are universally beloved amongst all drivers, crew members, wives, and everyone else. I don't feel like people love me near as much as they love you.
2: Why? Why why is this? Why why do you get so much love? Yeah, you're the head man. You're the guy at the top. Everybody's got to have some kind of, Thing to say about the big guy right you know we're just just out there talking i'm trying to be uh trying to be nice to everybody right so uh but i'm sure not everybody doesn't like me i mean that's not that's impossible for a writer somebody's going to be mad at a writer every once in a while uh or right. you're probably that means you're probably not doing a good job if somebody doesn't be like oh i didn't like that story I every mean, you know but you're gonna happen to ha- over uh i mean 30 years i've been writing now i just realized and uh and I've had that over every once in a while, but I think hopefully, uh, hopefully I, I'm, I'm liked enough in the pits that everybody would like, like to talk to me.
0: In your 30 years, how many words do you think you've written? If you had to guess <laughs> how many words you've typed, because I think it's 5 million this year already and it's only January 27th. So in your 30 years, <laughs> where do you think it is?
2: Oh, my God. I'd, that'd be a good, that'd be, man, that'd be pretty nice to know. <laughs> I remember the days, like, I mean, it was even more back in the days, uh, of like editing every story that I did for every auto racing news, you know, like, I mean, we didn't, it wasn't just late models. We had to do street stocks and oh, yeah. put those things in order. And Oh my God, man, my, my, I'm surprised I don't have terrible carpal tunnel <laughs> syndrome yet. It's, uh, it's uh, my hands. do, My arms do fall asleep. Like I get, like I got to shake them awake in the morning, but uh, man, that's a lot of typing on a, on a, you know, on a, Typewriter here or typewriter. I mean, uh, typewriter. Laptop, Jesus, your old actually, Kovac. I just when I first started, it was on a typewriter. Okay. My first <laughs> like couple weeks of writing for Ariana Racing News, I had to actually bring a typewriter with me and then fax it in.
0: So. You just had your fax. Man, a, you just had your ago. birthday yesterday. How old
2: are you now? Well, I was 29 when I started with you guys. and No, no. Right? No, so, no. Isn't that correct? No. Are you 50? 47. 40 47. 40. 47. Okay. 50,
0: yeah. Don't give me 50 yet. Yeah. Alright, 47. So you're about 10 years older than me. Okay, you know, I just wanted to age you out a little bit. So uh I wanted to have you on FriendZone for a couple reasons this week. Uh first I had Chubb on, right? I had Chubb Frank on. And I know you're a big Chubb Frank guy. Um you, you kind of grew up in and around him in the Northeast, even though you're a big block guy. You know, Chubb's a, a PA guy, you kinda had to know about him a little bit. I I made the comment to me it's not Scott Bloomquist. Chubb to me is sort of the quintessential dirt late model driver. You draw a picture of a dirt late model guy in the dictionary and it's Chubb Frank. You think I'm right about that? Does that make sense?
2: Oh, it totally makes sense. Uh, I mean, this, I'm sure you talked about his shoestring traveler days and coming up through, I mean, that, that's just a guy that he loves late model racing, uh, and he's done it his entire life. And, and he does everything, everything he does is revolves around being able to go dirt late model racing. I mean, he, he just he horse trades his uh, <laughs> car. He'll buy a car, sell that car, buy parts, buy a rear end, redo the rear end stuff. I mean, it's just everything is pointed towards, I'm going to have, I'm going to raise enough money here because he, he didn't just come from big bucks or anything. And I'm going to raise enough money so I can get to that next race. And, um, and it's, you know it's kind of tougher to do that now obviously the you know like everything comes along and technology comes along and it's uh it makes it tougher and tougher for those kind of guys to do it but it's great to have those chub frank uh, chub frank still out there because it, it shows that it's like a little connection with the history of dirt late model racing and I love it. You know, yo just talk go talk to Chubb and, and he's seen everything there is to see. <laughs> right. I mean, there's probably nothing that I mean, he's been in every situation, he's seen every official ruling, he's seen everything that's happened on a racetrack. So uh that there's like a lot of information you could get from him. Uh and and it's just neat to have him have him around here still racing.
0: Give me a good Chubb... And remember, the whole point of the Rigsby Report is just brash honesty, which is why he was my third guest. <laughs> I don't know that there's anybody that's more in-your-face honest than Chubb Frank. You, I want you to do the same thing. Give me a good Chubb Frank story that people may not know. Is there anything in your days on the road with the Outlaws that this happened with Chubb that, you know... I'm not asking you to cross a big line here, but is there a good Chubb story <laughs> that people may not know that, uh, or cross the line, screw it, I don't care. Uh, give
2: me something good about Chubb. Well, I mean, did, did, I'm not sure what you've talked about with him, but there was there the Florida incident, uh, like, talked about a w- little bit? We,
0: we have, uh, we, we are going to get into that with Chubb, yes, of course. The, uh, <laughs> you're talking about the arrest in 2012, right? Yeah,
2: you, when there, there was a little misunderstanding, I guess, ended up being with the cops, but I mean, I wasn't there for it. I heard about it right afterwards. And, and, uh, and it was, but there was the thing with Chubb, he, 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 he gets up a, a mugshot which I, I kind of laugh at that mugshot all the time. Cause Jerry Frank. Yeah, I'm not. Just, <laughs> he, he's looking up at the ceiling or something, but, um, but he's a guy that like, I mean, it wasn't something so bad. It wasn't something terrible. No. I mean, he he didn't, you know, I mean, it was something that was taken care of and it was kind of all oh, a misunderstanding really. But, um, like the next day, I mean, th- there's not quite many, guys that this would happen to, but the next day you go to the racetrack and all his crew has on Daytona beach city jail. shirts. <laughs> they have these orange shirts on and it's like, I mean, there's some guys that would probably be pretty pissed if their crew guys were wearing Daytona, uh. b- making fun of that, you know? <laughs> but there's, there's Chubb's guys. They all have them on and like, subject, uh, you know? But he's all right. He can call them all. He called them all dumbasses so many times. Uh. And I think everybody knows about his dumbass. Uh, I mean, this isn't totally new, but he had those little dumbass stickers and he would hand them out. Somebody yeah. made him up a sticker and said Chubb Frank Racing dumbass award yeah the
0: dumbass ass of the week or whatever out. it was
2: right <laughs> yeah. he would hand those out to everybody because that's one of his favorite words dumbass but um for, for things that don't know i mean there's a lot of there's there's some i, I like one thing about Tump is my my uh voice recorder i've had the same one i like it nice fits in my pocket nice and i've had the same voice recorder since i was with the outlaws i mean it's still has stuff on there with the outlaws. And a few things I do keep, I don't like erase after I've transcribed and everything. It's Chubb Frank thing. I mean, I could probably put together a nice, uh, and if you guys could edit it all up and all. This, yeah. Like, Leaped out things that Chuck Frank says. I mean, there, there's, there's so many times that he'll complain to it about a driver. When I come up to him, and he goes, man, that been this guy, or this, you know? <laughs> and it's, uh, it's just, I can't, I can't get rid of that. I have to keep it. And when he said about Mark Richards one time, I think it was at 55. I just went up to him and, and said, I think it, I think that Trump might've had it out at a deal on the track with, uh, with Josh Richards. So he was mad at Mark Richards too, of because, you know, of course. And he just says that Edmund mother effing, this Mark Richard, you know, he come. I'm like, oh my God, this really filled up my recorder here really good. <laughs> you know? But uh but thing is, Chubb, you can't get mad at him though. I, I know. Mean, he, has Richards, that, he, he has that he has that ab- to him all the time.
0: He has that mm-hmm. ability of one of those people that even again, like you said, he got arrested for something. It wasn't that big a deal at all. So it wasn't like he murdered somebody, but like he has mm-hmm, this ability. Right to even when, like, you know, he was, he was really dogging on you about, like, fake news, right? Like, Kovac reported yeah, I retired yeah. and I didn't retire. Like, even though when he's calling you a dumbass and he tells you how bad you are and how stupid everything is, you're like, ah eh, you know, I still kind of like... He has that innate ability that you like him no matter what, and that's a very hard characteristic to find.
2: Oh, yeah. He's just... there's a little smile because there'll be a little smile behind his, uh, his anger or a little... Or jo- you know, or, or little digs he's giving at, getting giving you and and it's uh and it's like man chubb i can't get mad at chubb big old lovable chubb you know it, it, you can't get mad at that guy
0: we need to sh- uh, shift to speed weeks somehow some way <laughs> speed weeks is here uh does speed weeks have the same juice that it once did or have the dome a christmas dome basically in Arizona and now in New Mexico if they cut into that a little bit what do you think is this still the most important part of the early season or is it just a little less important now or how do you feel because you're you are a tried and true speedweeks guy i like to say so what do you think
2: yeah it's like, it, it is i've been going to speedweeks every year since 98 um, when I was started with the big blocks, but I mean, I, obviously the late models were there too. I was actually writing some about the late models back then, uh, at that point, and so I, I've seen it a long time, and, and I've always kind of gotten excited to go to, to to speed weeks. I mean, it's just, I mean, I went as a kid in like like '86 and '87 with my parents, and so I mean, I got that history there too, where like, man, I remember from back then, and, and it's just like you you want to be there. I'm like, I, I can't imagine not being in Florida for uh for speed weeks now it's gone so long and 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 i i think it still does have the juice i think when you say that the, those races they they've taken i think a little tiny bit you know because i mean i went to new mexico you guys have just been in arizona um i mean and and, and that indoor race was just two weeks before new mexico <laughs> right and, uh, yeah, so i mean it, I, usually I, i'm i i was just thinking about this the other day i'm like man i I want to go, I can't wait for speed weeks to start. I'm excited, but I mean, I'm just not quite just, there's there's a little bit not there as it used to be. I agree. Cause there's not as much of a, of, of a, of a gap, you know? I mean, I'm like, like sometimes you just, when you're not there for two months, you know, like we go to races all summer and it's like, man, God, we're tired out.
1: And and then mm-hmm.
2: like, it's like, I want to, I didn't want to go to a race for five months sometimes you'll think, you know? And then it's just like, you don't go for a month. And it's like, I'm, I, I think I'm ready to go back already, you know? And it, it's not quite that way because I've gone to races and it hasn't been two months. It hasn't been since the world finals since I've seen a dirtway mile go around. back. So um, I lose that, but still it's speed weeks. I mean, it's, I mean, it was nice. The sun was out in New Mexico. And, and I'm sure the sun was out there in, in, in Arizona, too. But, it, you know, it's still, I don't know, there's something about the sun in Florida in February that uh, that, get, that gets me excited to, to be there. And it's just something different. Everybody's there. It's just, there's just an aura of Speed Weeks that no, nothing else has.
0: I talked about this in my open a little bit. And I think you just hit on it, what I'm saying. There's like a romanticism to Speed Weeks
1: that I don't Mm -hmm. think
0: you get with anything else. There's landmarks for somebody like me that I've been going to and you've been going to since I use the term kids. You know, I've been going for 20 years, Kovac. I'm a little younger than you, so I was still (laughs) a kid. But but don't you think that plays into that? The same restaurants that you go to in Tampa or Daytona or, or Jacksonville or wherever, the same bars that you go to, the same places you drive, the same truck stops that you stop at on your way down. I think all that, like... Where else do you go for sixteen or seventeen days in your life every year? There's no vacations that are this long. It's like there's like no. this romantic aspect of speed weeks that I don't know. It's like we're all in this together. I think. Am I right about that?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. And like, like there you go. I mean, it wouldn't be a speed week, so most if uh, like, I kind of do root for a rainout so we could go to the ocean deck. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I know you and love and the ocean deck, it, you and Suave, yes. Oh, it was good. Right, Suave, well, I mean, Derek would back me up on that for sure, you know. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, I've I, I started going again, twenty more than 20 years now. Pretty much every year, kind of gone there once a year, and it's just like if, if you don't go during that speed week, it's just like, man, I missed out on that, you know. It's the drive. I mean, there's, there's what 15 minutes of just woods going out at least after you kind of leave like the Ormond Beach area yeah. going towards the, uh, Volusia. And it's like they've done that how many times and over these. I put in Volusia probably more than just about any racetrack other than the ones I grew up at going regularly. That's you and that's I mean, that how many says tracks a lot, do you right? East Bay, Yeah. I mean, you're going there for six nights in a row and, um, so, so, I mean, it's like, yeah, you really know that place, I man. Something's different at Volusia. You notice it. And uh, and I like getting that. You know, everybody gets the ice cream at Volusia. You, <laughs> you fall into a total uh, pattern. It's, it's you know, hey, we go to Volusia. We do the, you know, we do race day. We go through the pitch, take some pictures, talk to some people, get some notes, go back. Start, and it's like every, there's like a, a flow. I mean, I get home and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, I kind of actually gotten used to that. Right. From all those races in a row. Um, and and I, I just, it's just people just seem like they're got like a little pep in their step because they're in Florida. And, and like you said, everybody's in it together. Everybody's uh, people all like to be at home and they like to be with their families and everything. But uh, when they're all down in Florida, it's still like, yeah, you're everybody's, got some family somewhere too, you know, it, it, right. You're in you're it together. All, you are all in that. Do yeah. You're, you're in it. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, it's a collective thing. As we head
0: into this 16, 18, 19, however many races you want to call speed weeks, when you include Screvin and all the Georgia stuff, as we head into this odyssey here, what do you think the most important storylines are? And I want like, I want this to be like Kevin Kovac and Michael Rigsby are talking here. Not like Kevin Kovac is on a video cast or late model live with Michael Rigsby. I want some raw answers from you here. That's kind of what the idea of this podcast is. Uh, What are the most important storylines? What are the things that like really matter most as we head into this next two and a half weeks?
2: Like on the outlaw side, I mean, it's it's gotta be like, uh, is Chris Madden going to really give that, is is he going to be in that mix all the way to the end with Brandon Shepard? I mean, come on, you know, it's just. Brandon Shepard's good. That Rocket team is good. Uh, and you can't make a mistake. You can't fall back at all the way that the level they are. Is, is Madden going to be there? The I agree. Do, do they have the
0: chops to go 50 races toe-to-toe mm-hmm. with the blue one? I think he's got the talent. I'm with you. Does he have the chops? I'll let you finish. But I, I keep saying that, too. Like, after, oh, Shepherd didn't win in New Mexico, we got three second places. This dude's playing chess, not checkers, <laughs> right. right? Like, I'm with you. and You, you mm-hmm. go ahead, but I'm with you. Does he got the, does he got the chops to do it?
2: Right, exactly. I mean, I, I think he does. I always thought that Chris Madden was the guy, you know, b- before like three years ago when he started running the Outlaws. And, uh, well, back in 2007 was that first year that he actually ran about half of it until, you know, his son was born prematurely and he, and he came off the tour and all. But, but that year, I was, that was my first full year as a PR guy with the Outlaws. And I was like, I, I always want, that's the guy that I've always wanted to see I thought was so good that he could compete for a championship, and and I thought like, if, man, if he goes through his whole career and never go out there and run for a championship on a national tour. I, I thought that would, have been, that would have been like, you know, Travis Lee almost. You know, I want to see him out there. I want to see the best guy. and and he's a guy that really can not do it. He already, I mean, two years ago he almost won it, you know, to the last race of the year. But um, uh, you know, like this, you know, last year it, it, he he did it from the whole second half of the year. It was unbelievable and. And, and I I just feel like he's got so much confidence in him, too. I mean, that's a, I've always thought that Chris Mann's one of the most confident race car oh, drivers. In his, he never thinks himself. he's going to lose. And
0: I love that about him. It's like, you know, R.I.P. Kobe, man. It's like the same way. I, I feel the same way about him.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like you never see any doubt in his mind about, like, oh, I can't, you know, will I be able to make, work, make the car work at this track or that track? So that's why I think that he really uh, he can stick with them, I think, as long as he has the, the crew you know in place and it seems like he does uh, i think he can he can really stick with them and and then in, in regard to that too it's like well how about the how about scott bloomquist what are we gonna see is he gonna be him? back I mean, is he
0: actually gonna be yeah. back i wonder that that's literally on my list is he really gonna be back i think the same thing
2: i mean it's, it's crazy but i mean it's it's i know people come back quickly from a from a. um you know hip replacement they can trip but man they're not usually jumping in a race car that they're bouncing around and and uh and going fast and uh g-forces and stuff i mean i don't, I don't know how that works on a uh, how you're you're gonna feel i mean probably he'll be feeling better no matter what because he did finally get this uh hip replacement because he was in pain but will he be ready at, at that point and, and will it affect him at all and i mean that's a thing everybody's going to want to want to see. I mean, like we're going to be waiting to see him getting that car at, uh, at Volusia. What else? What
0: other important for uh speed week staff? Oh,
2: I mean, you go to the Lucas side. I mean, I, I kind of want to see what like, Devin Moran. I mean, I, I want to see what he kind of comes up with. Uh, he was, he was good last year, you know, but he didn't win any Lucas races and he only won one, you know, like a local race with, with that, with the Dun Benson team. Did he take a step back? is he Did he just kind of tread water for a year because i, I mean back in 2018 his second his, his uh that year when he won at fairbury and with ty Torig, i mean that was like he, he's he's breaking through i felt like man he's coming through and and you thought like that they switched to lucas oil series and there, there's going to be some adjustment there with the new team also but it didn't seem like he took that next step yet so staying he stays with the outlaws he's i mean stays with the lucas oil series now and, and plus uh, back with ty who he's worked so well with in the past i mean will they be able to pick up where they left off in 2018 uh, when he left i mean uh, that would be pretty pretty uh pretty good for him if he's able to to get back to that because i think that he's he's a guy that should be winning some races with the lucas oil series now if he's in um
0: Don't we Uh, kind of need don't we kinda need Shepard and Davenport to suck a little? (laughs) Like, don't we need (laughs) JD has won back, he's won three Lucas titles, he's won two in a row. Like, and I'm gonna mention this too, but like if he leaves Florida with a hundred and whatever point lead again, it's over. It's over. Nobody's Mm -hmm. gonna beat him across the long haul. No offense to anybody else on that roster. It's over if if he's got that lead. Mm -hmm say, so, you know, the outlaw points are designed to be a little bit closer, but I don't know. Like if those two don't suck, I think it's over. It's over in February, right? <laughs> exactly.
2: I mean, it's, uh, it, it's important. I mean, I think about Davenport, he hasn't even really he's won two championships now with Lance Landers, but neither season was like, uh, what well, was certainly not 2015, you know, I mean, right. he certainly didn't, he, I, I, he didn't just go dominate either, but he was. But the points at the end of the year show he did, you know, right? because nobody else could match like his, uh, you know, his across the board strength, you know, but I mean, last year, even, uh, he even said it, he said it was his best, worst year ever, Right, or worst, best year, I guess. Right. You know, I mean, it, he didn't, he had so many like little things happen to him in some of the big races that it didn't. He, he had a great year, especially on Lucas, and he won double, hit double figures with wins, but it didn't put it in that super year because he just didn't produce in those bigger races. And so, I mean, I think that, that that's kind of bad news for everybody because he's winning by 400 another, points and
0: he wasn't any good. Yeah,
2: I'd say so yeah, too. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that gives him such an incentive, you know? I mean, it's like guys always want, like especially on their level, I think, they always, they need something. If you're going to win, we already won oh. You know three championships for them now. They need something to kind of kick them in the butt to like, I mean, you know, something to shoot for, you know? And I think Brandon Shepard has that and the Rocket team now with Chris Madden coming over to them and Bloomquist and Davenport has it because he, he just doesn't feel like he was as good as he should have been yet. You know, he hasn't lived up to the whole total potential, I think, that, I mean, he'll tell you that. He still thinks there's so much more that he could do, and, he, he, and I think he wants to have a year like John, like uh, Brandon Shepard had last year, and that's totally – we all know that's in Jonathan Davenport. He could do it. Um, just got to go out and get it done, and, and I think that's uh, – <laughs> we, we say, like, if they got to come back to earth, both of those guys, I mean, God, they have too much incentive not to do it, right? Yeah.
0: Kevin, you got anything else speed weeks wise? I want to wrap it up. Otherwise you got any uh, last little, cause we're going to have about 8,000 news notes and nuggets from you over the next two and a half weeks as we start speed weeks this Friday at Golden Isles, for God's sake. <laughs> I can't believe we're starting already. Uh, you got anything else?
2: No, I th- I'm, I'm pretty, I us to uh, get down to Florida and, and, and you know, Georgia and Florida and let's, let's get racing. I'm, I'm ready to do it. And I think everybody else is, I mean, God, there's already guys down there practicing yeah, this testing thing is wild weeks. isn't it
0: now like that this is like <laughs> yes. a six-year, six year ago thing like mark started it and now all of a sudden everyone's like we're going to fly i mean turbo flew into jacksonville florida from australia and literally was testing six hours later
2: so it's yeah uh, i mean yeah that just it's just like they're just on it uh you know for for a month now it's not yeah. just, you know 15 16 days they're gone a month and it's just uh it is one heck of an excursion they do now but uh yeah, so I'm I'm ready for it to start. I'm ready for the for the nice, you know, warm weather and uh, hopefully hopefully it's warm. There's some cold nights though. I in Florida all the time, but. um, let's go racing i, I didn't
0: want to i didn't want to tell you this but i will end by letting you know that chubb did give you his dumb ass of the week award this week so i don't know
2: what did i do this time you know he
0: said he'll yeah. let you know he's not coming to florida but it's which is rare for him too but he said he'll let you know next oh. time he
2: sees you so <laughs> oh god all right well you know like i, I got ammunition on him though see he thinks i don't sometimes you know i I'll come up with some stuff from him. You know, I, could, I got the power of the pen. They, they they talk about fake news and it's not fake news. Fake news is like when you don't like what you heard. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. what I think. So, all right, so, Kevin. so bring it on. Dub.
0: I, I, I love you. We'll see you in Florida. Okay, buddy.
2: All right. See you in Florida. Yep.
0: We've got a massive preview video cast this week, too. So I'll save all of my plugs for that. But keep in mind, if you want Speed Week's coverage, Dirt on Dirt dot com is the place for it. More original content that literally anywhere on the planet. I got to thinking about this. Say you're a Kentucky basketball fan, and why anyone would be a Kentucky basketball fan and not a Blue Devil basketball fan, I got no idea. But let's say you're a Kentucky basketball fan. You actually don't have that much coverage, right? You have the team's website, the games, the live games are on, but there's not like somebody out there just blanket covering UK the way we blanket cover dirt late model racing. Like, if you're a dirt late model fan, um, it, like, you could not... There's so much freaking coverage on Dirt on Dirt. Sometimes I don't think I appreciate that enough, the amount of coverage on DoD for the, for the late model fan. Casual, hardcore, any of it. Um, just go. Go to the website, please. There is no better time in the world to be a fan than, than right now, it, 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 to be a subscriber than right now of DoD. So please do that. Please go to DoD. Please please go to DirtOnDirt.com and... Uh, and, and, and subscribe if you're not already. Who's not a subscriber? I can't imagine. Uh, we'll go more into the brand awareness thing regarding sprint cars uh, in a few weeks. I am going to hit on that a little bit more. Like I said, I think those people are going to be like, what the hell are you trying to say? I don't even know that I'm sure I'm what I'm trying to say, uh, but we're going to get into the difference between late model people and sprint car people because I think there is a genuine chasm between the two. Uh, so anyway, don't forget, Screvin is live at DoD as well. It's our only Speedweeks race. We've got live. We've got highlights from everywhere else. But Screvin will be live. And again, just blankets, loads and loads and loads of coverage. Uh, Thanks to Chubb. Thanks to Kovac. Rigsby Report, Episode 3 in the books, guys. We will see you from Gold Miles on Friday, man. Take care.